impurity of life the highest classes in our best society. This is not said boastfully, but gratefully, as a fact not to be disputed. But ministers, to be as good as other classes of men, must be better than they. No other set of men make such assumptions or bind themselves to such high ideals. A lawyer, when admitted to the bar, does not promise to obey the Ten Commandments. A physician, on receiving his diploma, does not agree to practice the Sermon on the Mount. Being an editor involves no assumption of fidelity to gospel principles, and merchants do not enter business announcing to the world their purpose to give their life a ransom for others. If, therefore, both in spirit and conduct ministers as a body were not superior to every other class of men, they would be a disgrace to their profession and a scandal to the world. While all men, no matter what their calling, are under the eternal law of God and therefore morally bound to keep the Ten Commandments and to live in the spirit of the Sermon on the Mount, yet as clergymen are the only men who voluntarily confess these obligations and give their life to the work of making them real to other men, it follows that more may rightfully be expected of them than from any other tribe of workers in our modern Israel. Much is rightfully expected, and much also is received. To be sure, there is a scapegrace here and there, and of not a few clerical workmen there is abundant reason to be ashamed. But in a world like this, universal piety and wisdom among the professed servants of religion is as impossible today as it was when Jesus chose his dozen men, of whom one was Judas. Taking the clerical body as a whole, it is made up of honest, capable, faithful men. But a man may be all this and still fail. There are infirmities of temper and infelicities of conduct which, while hardly falling into the category of sins, are nonetheless so disastrous in their effects on spiritual life as to be worthy of a place among those evils from whom one should pray to be delivered. Ministers with rare exceptions are neither rogues nor hypocrites, but being human they are capable of all sorts of distorted action and the very nature of their work exposes them to a multitude of dangers from which other men are on the whole exempt. Many a man in the ministry fails, not because he is bad, but because he has a genius for blundering. Men with abilities sufficient to carry them to distinction fail to rise because of foibles and oddities which they seem unable to shake off. Oh, if he would quit that! How frequently that doleful exclamation has fallen from the lips of the despairing saints. Even slight defects in clergymen are momentous because they live always in a light as searching and intense as that which beats upon a throne. What other man in the community makes such constant self-disclosures as the minister? His eyes, lips, teeth, facial expression, voice, mind, heart, moods, all these are subject to public scrutiny. Whatever is crooked or unchristian in him is certain to come out. The scripture says the saints shall judge the world. It is their special province and delight to judge those who minister to them in spiritual things. Since this is so, there is reason, brethren, why we, of all men, should walk circumspectly, redeeming the time. End of chapter 1 Quiet Hints to Growing Preachers in My Study by Charles Edward Jefferson Chapter 2 A Mirror for Ministers Probably no other man in the town is subjected to such a constant stream of criticism as the minister, 
and possibly no other man profits so little by criticism as he. This is not because of the rhinoceros quality of the ministerial skin, but because the criticism does not reach him. Those who make the fiercest onslaughts on him get in their best work while he is not in sight. Even the glib-tongued experts become silent on his approach. Other men are censured to their face. The tough meat sold by the butcher brings an immediate and audible response. The merchant who sells unsatisfactory goods must take the condemnation which is sure to come. If the editor offends in a word or deed, the next mail brings him condemning letters. The mechanic who scamps his work is promptly overhauled. The servant who shirks his duties is reprimanded or dismissed. But who is bold enough to face a clergyman and tell him of his sins? There's such a divinity doth hedge a king that treason can...